All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, acidics? I, that was a new one. Where did that come from? What the fuck, acidics? How's that? As if they're listening. I know maybe there's a couple, a, a couple listening. It is Passover. Is it still Passover? How long does that last? I am Mark Marin. This is uh, my show. As many of you know, I'm a Jew. Happy Pesach. Another year goes by where not a one Seder I was invited to. Not a one. But uh, more on that later. My guest, I, I guess it's going to be a little Jewy in a very sort of aware way. Uh, an upfront way. Not the, the annoying Jewish subtext that many of you sense in me. Uh, but my guest, Ari Shafir, is one of the great lapsed Jews uh, comics. He's going to be uh, in the garage today. He's got some shit coming up, doesn't he? Doesn't Ari Shafir have some stuff coming up? I should tell you what he's got coming up because he's a friend. You can actually get his special, Passive Aggressive. It's at chill.com slash Ari for five bucks. Uh, You can go to his website, AriTheGreat.com. This is the same place that did uh, Maria Bamford's and Tom Rhodes specials. uh, So you can go there. And he's also going to be at Cheetah's here in L.A. on April 9th uh, with Kyle Kinane, Bobby Lee, uh, Joey Diaz, uh, T.J. Miller. So uh, they're doing some stories. They're doing some stuff. It's a story show. So that's Ari. That's what's going on with him, and we'll talk to him in a minute. What's going on with me? Where are you at, people? Thursday night, I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm going to fly into Boston tonight. I'm going to do the uh, Hookie Lao in Chicopee, Massachusetts, on Thursday. Then Friday night, I'm doing a live WTF and a live stand-up show. i got the live stand-up show at 7, uh, 7 I think. And then uh, with Mike Lawrence, and then uh, live WTF, Boston style. I got some uh, great old guys coming out of the woodwork for this one. I've got, I got DJ Hazard, uh, who was one of the first comics I ever saw. I've got uh, George McDonald, who was one of the first comics who let me on stage. He used to ho- host an open mic when I was in college, and uh, it was one of the first shows I ever did. And I've got Teddy Bergeron. Teddy, Teddy Bergeron, one of the funniest human beings uh, in the world that completely, uh, you know, burnt it down, man. Teddy Bergeron used to call me the marinated man. There's the marinated man. How are you, marinated man? Uh, For the young cats, we got uh, Sue Costello. I got Dan Crone. I got Rick Jenkins. So that's going to be an amazing uh, Boston-themed show. The following week, next weekend, it's the 4th, 5th, and 6th. Uh, of April. Holy shit. My brother's birthday's coming up and my mom's. I'll be at Crackers, Broad Ripple in Indianapolis. Uh, I'd love to see you out there. I got, uh, go to WTFpod.com, go to the calendar and check out what else I got going on. Jews, Jews, Pesach. No one invited me to a fucking Seder. Maybe, maybe it's my attitude. Maybe nobody wants me at their Seder. Come on, I can do it. I know the story. Yeah, they didn't have time to cook the bread. Uh, there was uh, plagues, locusts, blood in the water, things, firstborn. Uh, you know, okay, all we got is these crackers. Hey, this apple stuff is like cement, but it's not. It's metaphoric cement. Uh, here's a, a bitter thing to remind you of, of bitterness. Like any Jew needs to be reminded. Uh, what are the four questions? Why is tonight uh, not like any other night? I, I don't know, because we're sitting at this table with family trying to do this thing and understand it again with our roles. And uh, uh, can we have a drink? Can I have a drink? Let me have a drink. 
Passover seders is where uh, is really sort of the where the seed is planted for most Jewish alcoholism. Uh, I will put that out there. I, I believe that uh, if I can, uh, if I if I can recollect, early on, 1970, maybe I'm about six or seven years old. There's a seder at the Kirsch family's house. My parents went over there, Manischewitz, knocking that shit back. Felt warm inside. Felt warm inside. Was eating a lot of cirrhosis, uh, and uh, I, I remember kind of like needing to lay down. That's about eight years old. So uh, this is where it starts, Jews. Jewish parents, uh, you know, know what you're getting into. Know what you're getting into where you go, hey, when, when, uh, when, when you, the father, says to, to you, the wife, come on, the kid can have a little Manischewitz. It's Manischewitz. No, she says. Uh, I, don't, I don't want him drinking. It's not good. It's, it's Manischewitz. It's a traditional thing. Just let the kid have a shot. Just let him do it. Let him have a taste. Give the kid a taste. I'll tell you what he's going to be tasting in 20 years. Depending on how far that slope goes, it could be another man's penis for money. All right? That's all I'm saying. All right? If the girl, fine, a man's penis for money. That's where that first sip of Manischewitz can lead if you are actually watering the demon. You never know if you're watering the demon. It's up to you. Up to you. If you got another Seder coming, it's up to you. If that six-year-old kid says, can I drink some wine, daddy? No, you drink grape juice. I drank grape juice la- last year. No, Okay, have a little taste, just a little taste, Manischewitz, wife. No, hun- honey, don't give him that, uh, man. It's just, it's nothing. It's a little taste. Thanks, dad. Takes a little taste and a demon sprouts inside full of warmth and, and confidence and, and a feeling of well-being that a six or seven-year-old has never known before. That's right. You've, you've, you've awoken it. You've awoken it. Happy Pesach. Did I say that? Halila has a... Something like that. If I had the Haggadah, Haggadah, if I had it in front of me, I could lay that shit out for you. I could tell you the whole story. Pharaoh was a bad dude. There were some problems. Boom. No time. Take the crackers. You get it. I don't know how much you need. I, I will be honest with you, though. Uh, there's something about the consistency of uh, family and the annoyance of family and the, the tradition of the Seder. And, and you know, that, that, you know, that's got a lot. It's more. That's what it's about. You know, Jews do a thing. Christians do a thing. Muslims do a thing. Everybody does a thing. A yearly thing, a twice a year thing, and it's in the thing is established. It's either established with tradition or religion or whatever. But you know, it's basically a family thing. Everybody does their role. People get to check in on who got born, who got died, who got divorced, who got sick. Uh, you know, you know, grandpa doesn't grandpa doesn't see so well anymore. Uh, grandpa's not really with it, but uh, but if you just you know, put the fork in his hand, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on around that. And I remember years ago. Uh, when I was married to my second wife, we went to a a uh, progressive uh, hipster seder right here at the Echoplex. Uh, it was a Jill Soloway undertaking, and uh, with the uh, with the sort of boo jubus uh, reboots, uh, you know, the people that hey man, we can still be Jews and it can be cool. Uh, that thing and it was weird you know there's gourmet food we had a hipster rabbi who was like hey this is what i'm laying down i'm walking around i'm laying it down this is how we're doing the hipster seder let's get the band playing you know that kind of thing and you know it was good it was sweet but you know what was missing 
my grandpa. You know what was missing? My annoying father-in-law from the first marriage, you know, doing his version of things. You know what was missing? Family. That's all it's about. If you're going to do the Jew thing, don't try and reinvent it. Just do it the way it's supposed to be done. It's about family. It's about an annoying tradition that doesn't even have to be. Put the glass out for the ghost. Elijah the ghost, put the put the glass out for the ghost. Where's the matzah? I can find the afakoman. I'm going to get a quarter. I'm going to get a quarter if I can find the cracker wrapped in a napkin stuck in the sofa. I get a quarter. How come the ghost didn't drink its booze? It's about family. All right, let's talk to uh, Rabbi Shafir. No one knows who you are still? No, I mean, a couple people, but like... Why is that, Ari? I mean, you've done everything you can. Um, because, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I feel yeah. <laughs> some people know who you are, right? Yeah, no, some people do. Yeah. But it's like, most people don't. I mean, yeah. you know. From Rogan's podcast. Yeah. You're the guy from Rogan's podcast. Yeah, I'm a lot, I'm a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if people, are, uh, if people are aware of that, then they might know me, but otherwise, not at all. So I just want them to see my stand-up and just, you know. Did you do a half hour? No, they're never gonna. They're never gonna come through with that. I'm Why? Done, you're I'm too filthy. About that. Maybe. Have you been on the precipice? Oh, I'm not cool enough. Um, now wait a minute. That's that does not hold true. There's. Some, I've seen some very uncool half hours. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, let's be honest. They yeah. gave everybody a half hour. I mean, now they're giving away hours. Maybe you should just jump into that pool. I stopped. I'm just doing my own. Really? Yeah, I'm doing it with the people Bamford did it with. Chill. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna record an hour. Yeah. You're gonna put it up on chill for yeah. five bucks. Five bucks. And then you're gonna go on Rogan's podcast and say, Hey, you wanna get the guy who's on Rogan's podcast? Special? Yeah. <laughs> go there now. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. But, but it's like I just want people to know about me. That's all. So they'll come see me. I'm just starting to be able to like go on the road last year and a half or so. As a headliner. Yeah. Clubs yeah. would never understandable well, it's, now it's rough dude you got i yeah. mean right now it's not you know it used to be you go out a few times as a middle and they'd build you out in the market yeah but now like you better show up with your own people or they're gonna be like oh we tried fuck it yeah exactly yeah yeah but so i'm there i just want people to come see me that's all how's that working out are people coming yeah it's great yeah I'm getting like 20 30 extra audience you know and they're there for me so yeah even if it's but even if it's like 10 or 15 percent yeah if, if you can get a third yeah. It's great. Because then they, they tell the rest of the crowd to just calm down and shut up and laugh. Right, right. Like there's a, like it sort of turned over for me too, not too, you know, recently where like- You're pretty dark. Well, no, but I mean, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm specific. You know, okay. it's not, it's, yeah. you know, it's not really a dark or light. It's just sort of like, you know, either you're going to get me and you're, or you're not. You're going to be comfortable with the way I do stand up or you're not. Right. But now that people are, uh, you know, sort of coming out, like in some markets, like I'll still, it'll still be half and half. Or, but as long as I've got like a third of my people in that room, yeah. or, or if two thirds of my people, that's the best. If there's about a third of people who are just like, let's just go to the comedy club. Uh-huh. And they're kind of like, they wouldn't have known really how to take me. They would have. Right, 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 right. Right. But n- now there's like two thirds of the room are kind of laughing. And they're like, oh, maybe we should. This is a funny thing. I'll yeah. get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. I just want 20%. That's my number. If I'm 20%, the show's going to go great. We've been doing it for and how I long? Convert the other people. 13 years, almost. 13, 14 almost. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, How old are you? Up. 38. Really? Yeah. I mean, I well, you went through that weird period there. Like, I met you early on when I was still with Mishnah at some, like, a coffee shop out in the valley. And uh, I was like, oh, this guy's a, an elongated Jew. 
I wanted to get into that place so bad. To <laughs> it torture me that he wouldn't book me. To the fucking coffee shop. Yeah. It was a coffee shop, I know. Right? And then I did it. I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. They all suck. <laughs> you can hear the machine going off. You got to raise your voice to do stand-up. I did a gig outside on a patio at a fish taco place last night. Really? Like, I rarely do those gigs, but if someone pester me, pesters yeah, me enough right way, yeah. or, or gets me on the right day, uh-huh. this guy's like, it's, it's hot, man. LA Weekly said it was this. And Is that a storyteller show? No, it's a fucking oh. stand-up show. Kanane showed up. And, uh, James Adomian was there and uh, uh, Julian McCullough. And I'm like, where we? and it was cold what? out. Yeah. Like, I didn't know it was outside. And I'm driving up and I, like, I didn't even know the place. And I just see all these people outdoors huddled. I'm like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Was there a heat lamps by the stage? No. They were just sitting out there. I mean, the show was fine, but I don't know at, at what point. Like, when I was starting out doing road gigs, you might yeah. show up for something like this and you'd be like, oh, this this is fucking paying your dues. And now it's like, this is cool outside on Hillhurst Avenue. Now it's too cold. That's the problem. But like, where, That was where, all the rooms you could get into when I started. Where'd you come from? Here. I mean, I came I came from Maryland. I graduated college. University but where'd you Maryland. grow up? Maryland. Baltimore? Silver Spring. Is that a suburb of Baltimore? Suburb of Washington, D.C. So outside of D.C.? Mm-hmm. So D.C. was your city? Like no. when you were in high school, like, let's go to D.C.? Never really went to D.C. So let's get in the car. Let's. So there was nothing there for me. So were you part of a, an enclave? Was there, like, uh, was your dad, did he wear the black suit in the business and that? Yeah, he was, like, borderline Hasidic. But he wasn't quite Hasidic. No. So <laughs> he didn't not, have the payas. Not the big hat, but no. the yarmulke but he'd all wear the, the big time. hat on, like, high holidays. So he had a special big hat. He had a special biggie. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the special, like, there's only two tailor, the two hats makers. What do you call a hat maker? In the you world. Can, you can only get that at the Hasid haberdashery. <laughs> But the, the, that, whoever makes those fucking hats, that's their whole business. They're so stupid. But did, did he have one of the, the super big furry? Yeah, yeah. It, oh, he that was the, for the high holidays. The super bit of re, super round, furry all the way around, but like high. hat in the middle. Yeah. Um, oh, so he had that. Fur on the outside, yeah. Do you not know what it's called? It has to have a special name. Strymel? The Strymel? That, no, that's a name of something. I think I might get in the wrong word. So he had the big super Jew hat. Yeah. Like not just the brim, not just the uh, the, the standard sort of fedora style Hasid hat, right. but, but the yeah. super Hasid the hat. Has, the regular the fedora style, that was just a Shabbos thing. Right. Right. But, the, but he the had holidays. the high holiday hairy hat. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Were but you he, raised religious at all? But he wasn't a Hasid. No, he was not. He was just sort of of that world so he bought he liked that, the Lubavitcher Rebbe he, he liked what he was down with Menachem Asherim uh, Menachem Schneerson 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 yeah the Messiah that died the Messiah that died <laughs> and ended up not being it was tough for them that was tough for them oh uh, yeah how do you how do you make that jump into yeah. you're gonna have to figure out some Talmudic equation that enables you to accept that your Messiah died <laughs> yeah and he's not supposed to die <laughs> it's like maybe he wasn't the guy but, wow, but 770 so, I went there once to pray I met him where oh in new york yeah. in brooklyn yeah 770 was like a holy term that was just the address of whatever street it was of his temple that they were located on yeah in brooklyn williamsburg maybe yeah somewhere yeah so you were a kid that was a pilgrimage mm-hmm. that was a vacation yeah we're, we're gonna go with other freaks yeah and, and eat shitty food and, <laughs> and go shake hands with this guy who can't even speak english yeah, with i guess the, with the with the the white bearded messiah <laughs> <laughs> but that's I, funny so your dad bought those kind of hats like you know like conservative Jews would go to Israel and always come back with the super Jew yarmulke oh you yeah know, the actual arm with the came down it came yeah they came down the a little bit yeah I had usually, one of those usually it was back. embroidered and uh-huh. shit it's like yeah I got the Israel yarmulke but super your dad, Sephardic right right but your dad went all the Gypsy way to, ones, to yeah. Poland 1850 to get his fucking that's the business. thing all the that whole uniform is just 
I guess the Jews got rich in the late 1600s and they said, let's dress like the fucking, the rich people of our time. It just seems silly now to keep dressing that way. But no, it's tradition. Of course it's silly. It's freakish. It's weird. Yeah. But did you grow up in a Hasidic or an Orthodox community? Ortho- you- well, yeah, there was, it wasn't like all separatists. It was like there was a lot of Orthodox families in that neighborhood. But it was just a Jewish Ken neighborhood. Mel. Yeah. It wasn't- no, no, no. It wasn't all, everybody could live there. It wasn't like New York where they're like, no, it was not, not like the, the Fairfax district where you know, the, <laughs> it's yeah, all them. Yeah, yeah. Even no. there, it's not all them. No, I know, but they, you know, they, yeah. But they we would annoy the the neighbors and stuff. We'd all walk to synagogue on 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 Shabbos in your suits. Yeah, and they'd be annoyed with the traffic. They'd but like, to... was your outfit was it the black suit thing? Um, or were you no, allowed to wear wore... a leisure suit? Yeah, in wear... the summer you could wear like um like really nice slacks and a button down uh-huh. and a tie would be yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a suit for Shabbos. But okay, so what'd your dad do? Uh, Please tell me he was in the diamond business. He was a jeweler for a long time. No, he was not. (laughs) Yeah, he was. (laughs) Yeah, he was a jeweler for a very long time. (laughs) He said that. made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. He imported stuff from South Africa and Israel. (laughs) Import-export guy. Yeah. But jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. That was his main thing. Uh Uh-huh. And did he have, so it was him at this, did he have his own store? No, he was just a, a just wholesaler oh, okay. or something like that. And then um, that was like later once and, he grew up. And your mom, what'd she do? Just hang out? She, I don't know. Now she helps out a caterer. Come. She was like, she sold gifts to like Hallmark stores. Uh-huh. And they still married? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never get divorced, do they? No. The Orthodox. Very family. rarely. And you have how many nights? I remember the Nathans got divorced and it was like, wow. Down the street? Yeah, parents are getting divorced. It was like, what? Yeah. Do they have to throw their yarmulke down and cry? I mean, yeah, you do a, like you do the whole stance, but you do that backwards. <laughs> you walk backwards around the seven times. <laughs> You're thrown off the chair. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you put up on chairs and then you thrown off. <laughs> you shake her father's hand goodbye and you just take off. <laughs> you have to glue a glass back together. <laughs> take the shattered remains of your life and put them back together. <laughs> yeah, how many sisters and brothers do you have? Nine? Uh, I got, no, no, it's four people total. Two, two, an older sister. A uh, younger brother and a real, real younger sister. Did they run away from the from the religion? I'm the only one. No, my brother eventually did. He just got a German girl pregnant. Really? Yeah. That should show Hitler. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have one inside you. Dude, Feldman said this thing yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Um, uh, my friend, you know Benji? Yeah. Um, his brother got a Palestinian girl pregnant. Uh-huh. And so the grandmother's upset about it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the she, Jewish grandmother. Yeah, the Jewish grandmother's yeah. upset. Whatever. Right, There's right. some history there. Yeah. And so Feldman goes, just tell her that he raped her. That <laughs> 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 would make it. Oh, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. As long as it was born out of violence and <laughs> principle. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So when did you uh, get out of the racket? Well, I left in uh, in eleventh uh, grade. I left for I switched schools to like a less religious high school. But still a Jewish school? Still a Jewish school, but, you but like non-affiliated. Ye- but you went to yeshiva? Yeah, and then after that, I swayed a little bit. Didn't tell my parents. I just like swayed a little bit in 11th and 12th grade. But okay, wait. Let's go. Let's get this straight, though. So you go to yeshiva. So you can read and speak Hebrew pretty uh-huh. fluently? Uh-huh. Understanding it's a little tougher sometimes now, especially. All right. But you can speak it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember all the words. Right. But I know how to- But you can like, read it pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, I can read and write it totally. And the 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 reason that one did that was were you going to be a professional Jew of some kind? It was just no. It's not like rabbinical school. It's just a seminary where you just learn about the faith. The point. Right. I mean, some people went on to become rabbis after that, but it wasn't even like 
about that. It was just that's where you went to school to get the proper Jewish yeah, education. Yeah, a lot of people did at, for a year or sometimes two years after high, high school and before college. Oh, you that's when you went. Uh huh. Oh, you didn't go as a kid. Mm mm. Huh. No, I mean I've been there as a kid because my my father's family's from there. But what were your first? Uh, what What was uh, when you were still brainwashed? Yeah. What was the goal? I mean, what were you going to do in your mind as a child? Like, I'm going to take this Jew thing to the next level. and Yeah, that's what it was. Just take it to the next level. Whatever that well, is. Because I started keeping kosher again. I went for the second half of 12th grade. We went as a school. And then I found uh, they just take a double period of English. Yeah. And then go for the second semester. And so then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come back. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But um, it was so easy to keep kosher and I could succeed. You know, at this yeah. thing, it was one yeah. of the first things I succeeded at. At keeping kosher and being a Jew? Being a Jew, yeah. So I could just sit and study. There were no grades. As long as I sat there and just, you know, kept reading the book, they're so like, you you're doing great. You grew up in a kosher house? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's still kosher when you go back? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't smuggle anything in, if that's what you're going to No, ask. no, no, no. But like, it's always weird to me that, you know, the two sinks, the two sets of knives, the two sets of plates. Oh, yeah. and Two dishwashers. Oh, two, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the upper middle class will do that. Middle class, upper middle class, the ortho, because it's so hard to keep them together. You can't, you can't keep them in the same stuff. So you either you wash your dairy dishes or your or your flesh dishes. <laughs> <laughs> but how did like I don't know how long it took. So how did it take so long for that to become fucking ridiculous? Uh, once I once I realized <laughs> that I didn't believe any of that, I didn't believe in God, then I became like. Uh, Oh well, then why am I doing any of this? It seems like a lot of work. My friends would make fun of me in high school when I switched. Yeah, they would always be like, "How was your Saturday, Ari? Did you get a lot of reading done? Did you do nothing and just read?" Um, <laughs> you mean you're less Jewish? Yeah, friends. and it was like, "Yeah, this is very boring." I would say, <laughs> pre-torn toilet paper? Uh, uh, no tissues. Oh, that's how yeah, you did it for Shabbos. Yeah, uh, you just got the tissue packs. Uh, yeah, I get. I forgot well, about that. Yeah, you can't tear toilet paper. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But we did that too, and in Israel, sometimes we would pre-tear toilet paper ahead of time for Saturday. Yeah, that's it. That a was, bunch of them. That, that's what getting ready for the weekend mm-hmm. is because you can't rip things. Yeah, if you're taking off a cap, yeah. of a thing of coke, yeah, and you know how sometimes it comes up, yeah, but it doesn't completely separate, yeah, you can't pull it all the way off because you're you're able to use it for food. So now you're just now you're just slapping God in the face. Oh, and you, you believed it, it. Yeah, all that stuff made sense. It was all based in logic, logic based on bullshit, based on bullshit. Yes, but. It was all like based on this bullshit. Yeah, what can we, we believe, realistically infer? Right, that we believe the bullshit. So this is what we need to do to you know, uh-huh. buttress the bullshit. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Once I realized I didn't believe in God, then it was like I was at Yeshiva University. I just come back. So you okay? So you were oh you after one year of college? Two years of right midway through the first year of college. Two years after Israel. Two years of Israel. Oh, so you were oh you actually went to Jerusalem? Or, mm-hmm. Lived in, in Jerusalem for a couple of years. Right after high school. Yeah. So after two years, and. Oh, so yeshiva was the college. You're, you're actually talking about the university. Yeshiva University, yeah. Not a yeshiva, because yeshiva is Well, just... I went to a yeshiva for two years in Israel. Right. And then I came back and went to yeshiva university. So that's what they do. So that's part of the training. You, yeah, you get, come back. You leave high school. You go to Israel. You yeah. do the yeshiva for two years. One or two. And you were there for two? If you go two? Shana Bet, if you go year two, then it's if like, you were ooh, what? Shana Bet, Which is? Year B. Oh, okay. Um, then it's like, whoa, you're even more religious. Yeah, you're really in. So you went to two. Yeah, but by then I had already started like oversleeping, like s- prayer services, and then just telling everybody I went to the super early minion, uh, like at the crack of dawn, and then I went back to sleep, just lying. Already I should have known right then. 
But like, I don't want to condescend it too much because I think that the the discipline and the tradition and all that stuff obviously is what keeps them together. It's a little freakish and whatever. But I'm not going to you know dismantle beliefs or, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's freakish to together. me. Yeah. But I mean, but was there a time like? Because as a Jew, I know that I was never really. No one ever instilled the fear of God in me or the, the ability to use God. Like, and I imagine if you understood the prayers and and you you know like the, the idea of suspending your disbelief in order to believe. Was it just taken for granted or was it active with you? I mean, like when, when I think you, it was taken for granted. So it wasn't like, Once know, I, f- I need God. Yeah, I just, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. So I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. My dad would like had a rebirth of faith. So in fourth grade, he became religious again. What do you mean? He, so went, he, he went back. He was like conservative-ish oh. for a while. And then it was like, now let's start being religious again. So suddenly it was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Now it's time to get the second dishwasher. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's like, I guess we'll do that. <laughs> Need new plates. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just took it for granted. I didn't even think about it. And it was like, that's just what you do. Whatever yeah. you're raised with. Yeah. That's just what you do. You were raised with nothing? No, no, no. I was bar mitzvah. I went to, okay. but you know, yeah, I went to Hebrew school. But like, and I went, but there was never any real attempt to get us to engage with the Hebrew, you know, and what it meant. Uh, you know, there was yeah. never like, you know, in, in order to sort of believe in God, you sort of have to be afraid of God and, and you have to believe the idea that, you know, God is the prime mover here, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, this is all God's work. I don't know that that was ever instilled in me. You right. know, at some point your worldview has to be based on the fact that God created the world and, and that makes him a pretty important fucking guy or whatever it is. But, you know, I just remember sort of like, yeah, we were Jewish. We lit candles. I went to Hebrew school. I fought a lot i mean i made a lot of hebrew school teachers cry because i was such a an asshole because as a conservative jew i mean being jewish was part of it and you should have some rudimentary sense of of god but i really think it was more of a i I don't know maybe i think conservative judaism was sort of invented when um you know the jews started to make money in america and move out to the suburbs and they realized they didn't want to do all this yeah yeah. they still wanted some connection yeah and community we look down on conservative jews what do you think of reformed Jews? Not even real Jews. Right? That's ridiculous. Although, <laughs> that's ridiculous. dismissed completely. Yeah, they the ones that had conser- female rabbis, right? Female rabbis couldn't wrap our heads some, around it. Some, <laughs> In my non-affiliated high school, we had one of mm-hmm. a Jan, mm-hmm. and we just tortured her. She was like a chubby in the closet lesbian, and it was just like she was never. Uh, we were just never going to respect her. <laughs> There's guitars yeah. and sometimes there's uh, organ music. Yeah. yeah. No, what is it, all this? Well, no, the conservatives look down on the reform and the conservatives look at the orthodox and I'm like, I guess, you know, that's, I'm glad they're doing what they got to do. You know, but I could never do that. No. I mean, I think a lot of my dad's generation were brought up orthodox. Yeah, they make certain rules. They're like, I keep kosher in the house. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's that? What, that was what's no the point? rule for that. Yeah. My brother's sort of a hippie Jew. You know, he was kosher for a while and then he tried to eat kosher. And I'm like, why don't you just fucking just eat? Stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> my ex roommate used to, on Passover, used to mash down bread. Yeah. So it would be flat when he eat it. That was his way. That was his matzah? <laughs> and I'm like, that's just not it at all. That's not the rule. He goes, but I'm doing a little something. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just eating flat, wrong stuff. What are you talking about? It's just this idea that you have to try in some way. Make, just make it look like matzah? Yeah. He, he flattened bread? <laughs> that's not it at all. Or he eat crackers. I'm like, that's also wrong. <laughs> It's unleavened bread. That's the rule. <laughs> crackers. Come on, matzah's a cracker. What's it got to be an ordained cracker He's like, for? yeah, so you're just going to go ahead and eat like full like loaf or, or regular slice of bread. I was like, that's the same shit. <laughs> Man, we're doing the same thing. He was conservative when he grew up. Yeah. I couldn't understand it. So what, so My feeling is you can't, how do you, how do you believe in God before somebody tells you, like you're supposed to have this leap of faith. 
Yeah, but there has to be a reason to take the leap. I think the the the, the reason is generally just you know the the realization that you know perhaps for some people without it, yeah. everything seems pretty pointless. Right. So then it's not a leap of faith. It's like I need to do this for myself. That's a leap of faith. <laughs> Didn't you just describe a leap of faith? No, a leap of faith is saying I believe in God, even though there's no reason to believe in it. Right. But there is, you already have reasons. Once you have reasons, and it's like, uh, it's about, so what are you saying? It's about like, you just feel shiftless or something, and you say, okay, it must be God? No, I, I think that to sort of alleviate the existential terror of of, of being uh, self-aware, uh-huh. yeah, you, you, that, you, you know, in order to, to in, infuse meaning, you know, some people can't just, you know, you know, because that's where you get spiritual is you look outside. It's like, look at the trees and the things in the ground. We're all part of it. That's, you know, like if you can, the world if you embarrasses me and I can't believe there's a watchmaker. I was a watcher without a watchmaker. Right. Well, that that's kind of it. Either you're going to get it out of everyday life and be a spiritual person or be a practical person, or you're going to want some deeper historical context. You're, you're, like, you're like, if this is it yeah. and there's no payoff, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Instead of going like so, fuck, that's shitty. Okay, oh well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's disappointing, and and there's occasional fleeting uh, periods of happiness, and yeah. and maybe <laughs> and maybe I can have a kid and project my bullshit onto him, and he'll do a better job. Uh, you know, if that's not enough for you, you might want to you know. But also something so you can like, well, it's all for a reason. But I also think that there was the, the element of sin and the element of struggle that, uh, you know, the, the whole, I think, uh, Christian model, you know, is how do I clean my dirty insides? Yeah. Uh, you know, how, you know, how am I worthy? How do I be? How am I? How do I? How am I a good person? How are we supposed to function as a civilization? Uh, you know, with all these messy, horrible people that are just, you know, one beat away from, you know, raping children and yeah. killing people. As soon as you get rid of any authority or, or rules. Yeah, the, the whole thing's going to collapse <laughs> yeah. into a fucking mess. They're like, let's all just agree. Yeah. It will be cool, even if we're predisposed <laughs> to not being cool. Oh, we can't do that? All right, then we're going to have to make laws. Yeah. <laughs> laws are necessary because you guys blew it. That's all it is, I think. It's just stuff that was made up a couple thousand years ago to like keep people in line. It's, it's yeah, outdated yeah. now. But, you know, it's pretty elaborate. You know, that, you know, that's with the Jewish thing and even the Catholic thing. I mean, you get into some of the sort of mystical bullshit, especially the Hasidic stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you want to believe that they have some secret wisdom. But if they do, you know, they, why do they look so stupid? Yeah. You and know, why are they sharing with everybody? What's your secret? Yeah. You can't tell other people? Yeah. Do we have to God wear the hat in order only to get the secret? Available to, to you and your buddy, yeah. Chaim. Yeah, yeah. But nobody Chaim. else. Who sit there and talk about it and interpret it. That, <laughs> that's the, Well, that's the one good thing you get out of the Jewish tradition is that, you know, this sort of, um, they put a very high uh, premium, premium yeah. on, uh, on education. And yeah. and discourse and debate. I, I think that there's an uh, an active engagement. You know the classic sort of you know picture of just you know two guys, two chassids, like with their hands going at it. You know discussing. That's all you yeshiva know, was. You sit with your buddy and you yeah. just learn a thing and talk for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like what? What is like? I think that's a very uh, great thing about that. About that is know, nice. I'm definitely sort of, able to break down. To, a, right. To sit there and talk about big shit. Uh huh. You know, in a practical way. It's like, well, maybe God meant this. And there was thing. something where it was like. Um, if you kill somebody, yeah. you have to give uh, penance or I don't know something. You have to give money to the wife, to the widow. Yeah, uh, and they say you know based on what your job is, you have so to give a different amount. Talmud stuff. Uh huh. You have to kill somebody by accident. Yes, yeah, by accident. <laughs> right on purpose. You go to jail, but if you're just shooting arrows and one gets away from you, um, <laughs> you got to go over to his old lady and say, "Here's a few bucks. You need some food." Such dumb rules. Yeah, <laughs> and also the sons or brothers or wives of who you killed 
they have like like a one month moratorium in order to kill you back by um, accident. So, yeah, so you, there's a couple safe houses all over Israel. There's like six or seven of them in different spots. I forgot about all this. So you don't catch a, a, a you have a, a you have a month arrow. you got to be there. Yeah, or they're allowed, fully allowed, with no problems at all, to kill the shit out of you. Even if you did it by accident. Even if you did it by accident. It's just allowed revenge. But you could get to one of these safe houses and they couldn't kill you there. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, yeah. Because I heard they got people on the inside. <laughs> I don't think it was like that, but they they had to make this stuff so people would have like, well, we need some way to get back at them. It's like, yeah. all right, you got a month. Yeah, Go on yeah. a manhunt. Yeah. And really? You want. Yeah. This is, this is orthodox shit. This is, this is straight Talmud. Straight this Talmud. Is what we're all based on. This is all reform and conservative. This is all based on the same stuff. Uh-huh. The original books interpreting the Torah. But aren't there people that sit around and go like, maybe this is not a good idea. I mean, I think that- Well, we, we have don't to... have that anymore, so you have to be in Israel for so, that. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. So wait, the Talmud- is... Yeah, and there were going to be arguments about whether or not that should be allowed so the, or not. So the Talmud's like the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's what- That's exactly right. <laughs> and then they had people just below that interpreting the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. Those are the Mishnos. Yeah. That's what your girlfriend's name was, I guess. Yeah, not a Jew. Um, oh, really? Ex-wife. Oh, that's, that's not what it was. Go ahead and make her an ex-wife at this point. <laughs> um, it's official. Yeah, I guess so. uh, did it just become official? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, but it's definitely not my ex-girlfriend at the time. It was deeper and more horrible than that. That's why people get married, so they what? can say their pain is, is heavier. When they it break passes. Up. Everything passes. Yeah. Everything fades. Uh, you know, and, and things, you know, and then just becomes these weird moments where you wake up and go, oh, I just had this weird dream and she was in it. What the fuck is that about? Leave it buried. It's a synapse that fires like some memory of her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you, if you, um, if you killed somebody, you had to pay them, the widow, a certain amount. Right. That um, makes sense. Yeah, but it changes depending on what your job is. And so then there was all these arguments of like, well, does that mean, this is what you're talking about with the hands raised. Does yeah. that mean some human lives are worth more than others? Right. And we had to like break it down. And then it's like, no, but it's just she's used to living a certain standard. Yeah. This is so what you got to give her a little more. What, so this is what divorce law is based on. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Do you ever get super angry about the divorce laws? I understand them. I, I get mad at Do lawyers. Really? Yeah. I get mad at lawyers for, for Explain you know, exploiting them. Explain to me how, what you understand. What, that about. one specifically, spousal support? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I think that they were, were originally in place to protect the woman at a time where you know women were not necessarily expected to work mm-hmm. or, or live the uh, the life of a homemaker for 25 years. Right. Uh, so that means uh, did not necessarily put together a skill set right. to enter the it. workforce. I get it when you're, you've been right a mom for 25 years well, and that's what you got those, nothing. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why those laws were put into place and but now they're just, they're just still on the- You've still got your own careers. Well, no, it's still on the books and they're exploited by lawyers that's yeah. right so now it, the, the game is really how do the lawyers maximize their profits by you know extending the pain of the people involved like you know it don't matter if she has a lawyer and you have a, have a lawyer they're both taking the money from whoever has the money and it's yeah. it's you know it's uh, it seems like to me the biggest hypocrisy any woman uh, does right now is to support those laws no, like for well, all the Jen Kirkmans in the world, it's like you better be outraged every time some woman who's an equal yeah. gets a bunch of money from the man who's yeah. also an equal. No, no, I, I look, you're you're preaching to the choir here, it, you know, especially when you're you're with somebody who's like, no, I would never do that. But yeah. that that changes like that when you have the ability to. Well, no, as soon as you go into a lawyer's office, you know, because they're mad at you, the lawyer's like a pimp, and they get just get turned out, <sighs> you know, by the lawyer, and literally like we're gonna run his money through you and to me you and a, you. The lawyer tries to get them angrier at the, oh, fuck, at the ex. Absolutely. Not not only just angry, but suspicious. Like he did what to you? Oh, I've seen that before. No, worse, like he's hiding money. Really? 
It's like, you live with me for three years. I mean, where am I hiding money? What do you think? I've been preparing for this day? I can't even prepare for next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting on gold. I put it all in gold. It's under the garage. But uh, yeah, no, you were divorced, but what? You had nothing? It was all cool. It was all just like, see you later. But w- let's get back to the laps. So you just, basically, your, your laps with God was you slept in and lied? <laughs> that- yeah, my big laps was I had this moment where I realized that that uh i had a, a crisis of faith like whether or not i should turn a light off to keep me to let me sleep on, oh, Shabbos. on Shabbos. and then a year later i was still like if i really believed i wouldn't have been tossing it back and forth in my mind so wait now your crisis of faith was just you standing off with a light switch uh-huh just standing over it going yeah, i think metaphorically that's uh that's pretty pretty right on like do i turn the light off because you were literally yeah, turning, turning it light. off yeah <laughs> Actually, not bad. It's pretty deep when you put it that way. Yeah, man. You should write some uh, some Talmudic essay on called the light switch. That that yeah. that should be it. Short story about it, and then throw a dick in there somewhere so you're comfortable. So I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably the number one guy making me feel shitty about my comedy. And I just busted somewhat. your balls. Like my thing was like I did to you what David Feldman did to me. What did he do? Which to is you? oddly, when I got to San Francisco, we were doing some gig. So for a radio show, like Alex Bennett, uh, you know, Live 105, they do these events and they have comedy, like the, you know, basic radio events, like the like a, a, a sponsor would want to have a presence and they'd have an event and the, the you know Bennett would go down there and he'd bring a comedy show. And I remember this was at a fitness center during the day in yeah. fucking Stockton somewhere, you know, outside of San Francisco. And it was me and Feldman and uh, one other comic. We're literally performing at a gym and there's people on fucking gym machines, you know, Ugh. like within eyeline. And it was ridiculous, and and like I did my show, and uh, and Feldman comes up and goes, "What do you gotta be filthy for? You're a nice Jewish boy. Well, you gotta have a filthy mouth." <laughs> I never forget that because I fucking hated that cocksucker for years. I'm like, just for saying that. Yeah, but look at him. You know, like that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not a filthmeister, but I think he was saying, "Why are you gratuitously dirty?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was overboard, dirty. No, and then I, I think I said the same to you. Like, you're bri- like there, there's something about the Jew thing, too. Like, there's an elitism that yeah. I'm sure I have. You're a smart guy. Why do you got to talk about that? Right, right. It's like, we're Jews. What do you got to, you know, come on, put a little more thought into it. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, I let it go. Yeah, I thought it was funny once. You were, like, judging me from the back. And I was yeah. like, I can see you looking at me, Marin. Stop <laughs> doing that. The back of the room at the comedy store. The infamous back of that, that hallway, room. you can see people. That is like that is like the the the, the demonic jury of comedy is yeah. that fucking back of the that lights door. Are on. Yeah, yeah. And you, you just see that doorway, like who the fuck? I would sit there when I was I, enemies with Bobby Lee. I would mm-hmm. sit there and like glare at him in the back, knowing he could see me and knowing it was disrupting his set. He's very sensitive. Uh huh. And just every time I make a joke, I'm like. Pfft. So, what? How long with uh, between your 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 struggle with the light switch? <laughs> And uh, and stand up. So what? So what, how did you approach your your family with that? With what? That I didn't want to. It was like a that you were out of done the with the yamaka. It was like a full coming out of the closet. You like? Did you have to turn in your yamaka? <laughs> <laughs> like a disgraced cop. Yeah. yeah. I don't want. I don't do this anymore. Yeah. You put your gun down your badge. Let's fill in in my yamaka. I'd be like, there you go. I'm keeping the titus. <laughs> <laughs> um, you had tits too oh yeah every day underneath the clothes over a t-shirt underneath the shirt oh my god otherwise it gets sweaty oh my god that's another weird one the tits yeah because that comes from a law of like you have to if you wear a four four cornered garment they have to be these tassels on the end of them these specifically tied tassels but you don't have to wear a four cornered garment so you only wore Anymore. it to keep that 
mitzvah out of retirement. The mitzvahs, how many mitzvahs are there? 613. Negatives and positives are all together. Right. Don't kill is a mitzvah. Right. You'd think that'd be just a... A thing. A thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. An understanding. Yeah, like, how about just don't kill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to write that down. Right. So it was one of these weird things. That's so, uh, for people that don't know, including me, there's the, there's the, the talus, which is a prayer shawl, but there's also the, the tzitzis, which is what you see hanging out of the jackets of, uh, of Orthodox Jews when yeah, they're just, just like, dangling tassels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're running, they trail behind you and really, it's cool. Oh, yeah. Playing tag yeah, and stuff. It's like a cape. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. You could grab people in football by their tzitzis, if that's all you could grab. Is that the is that the Hasidic version of tag football? You, when you're just like, I got you, and you're holding a tzitzis. <laughs> you don't pull him out. You pull the whole guy back with him. It's the equivalent of like holding a guy by his dreads in the NFL and tackling him like that. Oh, okay. It's a cheap move. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Hasids are going to make it to the NFL. It's or just my belief. <laughs> but well, what, what was the conversation? I had to tell... Well, I was in Yeshiva University, and it was 25 grand a year, and I was like, if I'm not going to be religious or believe in god this is, to myself i was like yeah. this is pointless for me to go here yeah and waste his money so i'm gonna switch to university of maryland to go to state school yeah so i had to like guys i need to talk to you yeah and then i i uh yeah i told them i, I didn't believe in god and i didn't want to do this anymore did your mother scream my mother was sad my father was way worse about it my mother wasn't raised religious right um she was raised in atlanta so she's just like conservative so she, she said she was upset a little bit that I'd lose the um, the sense of community. Mm-hmm. But my dad was, he's like, even a dog believes in God. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. That's not he true. He within a dog. It's not even true. Yeah, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't, never know. I didn't was, ask him. That was his big punch? <laughs> Something like that. It hurt just because I was like, well, that's not exactly acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> even um, a dog believes in God. Yeah. God, I wonder where he got that. He must be lower than a dog. That's what he said? Yeah. Lower than a dog. Yeah. And then did you not talk for a while? It was hard for him. To talk to you. Yeah. And then um, yeah, that was a tough moment for like a while. And then after like a, a couple of months, he would start talking. And then uh, after a couple of years, he was like, okay, we went on a ski trip once. And he was like, you know, if you want to get some fries or a burger, you can do that. <laughs> um, this is when I was like 20, 21, did something he, like did that. Did he wear his chitsits under his parka? Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Almost definitely. Maybe not. Maybe not. For, for like sporting events, you don't have to. Oh, really? Yeah. We didn't wear them for basketball. So, what about yarmulke under the ski hat? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you just keep the ski hat on. That could act as a yarmulke. Right. Sure. Yeah. That what you're wearing sure. now is fine. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to keep it on. Right. Um, <laughs> at dinner. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't. Yeah. So that's where. So that was where the, the acceptance finally happened on the slopes of. Uh, of where yeah and then we tried also to tell my brothers and sisters and they don't care yeah my little sister gets she's the most religious like when i curse around her or her kids she's like all right stop it yeah, yeah. but she doesn't really care um but uh they were making fun of my dad once because the last thing he was holding on to was me dating jewish girls mm-hmm. and that was instantly gone yeah my first girlfriend only girlfriend at maryland was the non-jew yeah um so they were like, Dad, what would you do if Ari like brought home a non-Jewish girl? Because yeah. my my mom's sister, her stepson had married a non-Jew and it drove the father crazy. He wouldn't go to the wedding. He like wouldn't talk to them. So my dad was trying to be real PC about it. And he was like, yeah. you know, he's my son. I try to be yeah. understanding and, right. and loving no matter what. You know, I wouldn't like it, but obviously I understand. And this is five, six, seven years after he's accepted it. After the uh, lower than a dog kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then they were like, what happens, what would you do if you brought home a black girl? 
And he goes, now you're being stupid. (laughs) I said the same thing to my grandmother and she said, uh, if I, what if I uh, married a black girl and my grandmother said, as long as she's Jewish. Really? Oh, that's nice. (laughs) It was a very clever joke. Yeah. At the time. (laughs) Yeah. We had some black Jews in my community Mm -hmm. and one of them got, they had to call for a wedding because she was uh, going to marry some guy and the family just put too much pressure on him. A non-Jew? No. A white Jew. Huh. And the, So they were like African, like like uh, not converts, but... I think the dad or the grandfather converted, but they were a, a part of the Orthodox community. Yeah, I love that. The prices. They were just like any of us. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to hear the Talmudic argument about that. It's yeah, like, there well, is there's none. Still there's black. still assholes. They're still black. <laughs> So he can't accept them as equals. Yeah, but he's a Jew. So there must be a common ground we can find. How about they can live amongst us, but uh, no one marries them? The bloodline ends here? Would that be okay? Yeah, you would talk about stuff like that. So did you, what, what, so you, so the first girlfriend was a a non-Jew. Did you marry? Yeah, Kate Hicks. Did you marry a non-Jew? Yeah, she was a non-Jew. Oh, that was the one you married? Yeah. No, no, not the first girlfriend. I wasn't that one. The first girl was just my first love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was my V to her. Yeah? How'd uh-huh. that go? She cried. She cried? Yeah. Was she a V too? Uh-huh. Yeah. We did it to each other. Uh-huh. So you both cried? No, she cried. Why? Because it was- beauty or something. Or was actually so, doing this. We were so quick. It was like while it was still in. It was like, you're doing you a start? <laughs> She's like, no. It's like, okay. It's so weird. I had a trouble getting in. I couldn't like find it. And, yeah, yeah, it's rough. And you feel like you're breaking something. Yeah, I didn't so know how, it, how to do it. Shouldn't it have angle. more give in here? This, in this area. I was told there was <laughs> yeah. a hole. I was told. I did it. What we did it. When we finally did it was we tr- we kept trying and trying and trying. Yeah, I just couldn't get it in there. And then I went I went down on her once, and yeah. then and then tried to put it. In. I was like, oh, oh, right in. Oh, yeah, it wasn't slick enough. Yeah, we were all both so nervous about it. It's all not ready. Yeah, you had to prime it. I guess so, man. Yeah. Um, now look at you fucking... Filthy. That's why I talk about sex a lot, because it's so new to me that I'm still super <laughs> intrigued by it. Really? Your, your dick isn't filthy and jaded? It is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see what you did to your dick, you miserable Jew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you dragged it through? I got chlamydia. Really? Yeah. Now? Right now. I'm taking <laughs> antibiotics for it. <laughs> <laughs> right now congratulations <laughs> you've arrived you're now officially have you ever gotten that? a filthy jew <laughs> not that i know of uh, i don't think i've you know, i got crabs once really years what was ago. that like it's like having bugs in your pubic hair can you yeah. see them yeah Ugh. you don't know it you're just itching a lot and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god when it hits you well, yeah, because they 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 burrow into your skin and they lay eggs in your skin. Then, like you know, oh. you feel itching. Like when, however, you get them, I think you get a couple. You know, when you fuck somebody with crabs, yeah, and they they just go immediately to go lay eggs. You know, under your skin. Whoa. So you're like, what's that? What's that itching? And then one day you're like, oh my god! And a bunch of eggs pop open. Yeah, yeah. And it's a colony there, yeah, full of crabs. And so it's just shampoo to get rid of it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's, it's shave your hair. Yeah, I don't remember if I shaved my hair. It wasn't a good experience. And like, I don't know who I got them from, but I know I gave them to somebody. Did you have to call anybody? No, they would find out soon enough. Yeah, who, you, when we were in college, you know, before the the, the great AIDS epidemic, you know. Oh, you went wow. So I like that happened. That was like 1981. So I was just starting college, and it was still not you know our thing. So, you know, what do you we mean were, our thing? it was not a, a straight person, you know, it was still this weird, like gay plague 
when we first oh, oh, when, yeah. when I was just coming into my sexual thing. But I was I was Grids. I was afraid of it still. That's know? what it was called. Yeah. Grids. They related immune deficiencies. Yeah, something general. like that. Yeah. And um but you know, there were you know, who the hell knew we were all fucking trying to fuck and fucking and but I don't think I ever got the chlamydia. I mean you know when you have it, correct? <sighs> no. That's the weird thing about that. Thirty percent or seventy yeah. percent, depending on the sex of a get gets gets um, symptoms. Yeah, yeah. So I got a call from a girl, and then I had to call like. So you didn't even get tested. You just went on antibiotics. I told I went in like three days ago. I was like, I have it, and he, he asked me how I knew, and I told him, he's like, Oh yeah, you probably have it, but just from like the that. six circumstances, right? And then he was like, You got to tell everybody you know that you've done it with. Because they've got to get tested. Yeah. Or screened. Did you get like, tested or you just got... Yeah, I got, I got tested. And was, He's like, yeah. this, um, we'll call you in four days, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, and they did? Uh, he yeah. called me yesterday and then I called him back and he wasn't there. So I had the See, official talk. With him. Maybe I have AIDS. I might have AIDS. No, you don't have AIDS. Probably not. So this is your first STD? Uh, I had a ward a long time ago. Well, like that means you, ago. you have them forever. Nah, not really. Don't you carry it? It's like you carry the, the virus. Yeah. But... Doesn't everybody... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, man, it's so rough making those phone calls. Yeah, especially to like the eighteen-year-olds who are like, "Wait, what? Is this the end of the world?" Yeah, and you're like, it's "How not many eighteen-year-olds are there, Ari?" There's, there's one in the, right. in the in the range of people I had to call. <laughs> Was that a, a a road? Yeah. Yeah. God. It's, what? It's so you're living the life. This I is know. what you wanted, isn't it? Isn't this everything you wanted, Ari? This, it is. Isn't this why you ran away from God so you could yes. make calls to 18 year olds and tell them they might have chlamydia? No, that part was not it. All right, that wasn't part of the light switch dilemma. <laughs> that, was <not laughs> that was like the hey, maybe you should think about this again because maybe there were some good parts about not turning off the light switch. <sighs> when did you start doing comedy? I started. Um, so I went to University of Maryland. Yeah. Went there for four years. You got a degree. Got a degree in, in English what? BA with a focus on screens. I made up my own focus. Screens. Screenwriting and and screen uh, film interpretation. Did you do all right? Yeah, I got a film criticism minor. I minor. I majored. Yeah, in my, it'd be like a minor. Yeah. Um, I love modern American lit. That was my stuff. That's oh, why really? I'm surprised I never got into Philip Roth. But I love Bernard Malamud. Yeah. And uh, Hemingway. Just anything after like. 1870 yeah i ended up focusing on romantic literature which i swept oh, really? through yeah i focused for i had a year uh, survey in it and it was at nine in the morning and i and i just never tried i couldn't get there i didn't relate so. to them i'm like this isn't my life romeo and juliet no no or, it wasn't or like it was Joseph a shelley Conrad. byron yeah. keats uh yates i didn't uh, connect as much to something like there's a car in this story yeah you know they <laughs> exist it's written for me to understand yeah not for me to decode yeah 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 no i, I probably should have done that i had a uh you do well in school in english i did great yeah but in high school i was terrible yeah. like i barely passed high school yeah but in college because this was on you to read yeah and understand i, I loved it yeah i love breaking down a book and understanding it that's good yeah what the fuck happened to you but the, well, I took that and I applied it toward. I don't read anymore. I start a lot of books. I've started everything start a lot. in here. Sure, yeah. Really? Uh huh. I just had a real cool. I went to Minnesota and some like Hasidic Chabadnik Jews invited yeah. me over to their house for Shabbat lunch. Mm -hmm. 
and I went. They invited me last year, and I was like, no fucking way. I'm not going to go to Stranger's house for lunch. Chabad is the, that's the missionary effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, and they don't try non-Jews. They only get Jews back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's like those guys in New York that force you into trailers to do fill-in. Uh-huh. Or hold the little of an S-road. It's the worst. It's just sort of, you're just walking down the street in New York City. It's like, have you done the fill-in today or lately? And I'm like, no. He's like, would you like to do it now? And yeah. you're on the street. You know, it's like, can yeah, we do like, this? Ew, who's had this on? Yeah, but also just sort of like, are we? Do we have to, you know, uh, kind of announce that we're, you know, we have this freakish ritual? I used to think that was good because I'm like, we only bother Jews and try to get them a mitzvah. But now I realized because I got it once in New York, I was like, get the fuck away! I'm not stop. You're a big, you're a beggar. Yeah, you're a religious beggar. (laughs) But uh, all right, so so no God, you'd go to college and then you're like, I'm going to do comedy. Um, Yeah, I had in the back of my mind. My friend Ami Butler always told me that that I should do it. Yeah, you know. You know how it is. You had people laughing more than other people. Yeah. Um, and then I tried it once in like Northern Virginia, just an open mic. I wore a three-piece suit. That in Alexandria? Maybe. At that hotel? It wasn't Chip at that Fran- hotel. Not Chip Franklin's room? The, no. Chip Franklin lived there around there? You know Chip Franklin? I met Well, he was, I had a joke that I knew for fucking 12 years. He used to book a room in Alexandria, mm-hmm. right over the right over the line there. Wise you know, Acres? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it, was in, it was in a hotel. I don't remember what his room was. Why is that? in a hotel. It might have been that. Yeah. Um, he had a joke that I saw on like Live from the Laugh Factory or whatever that show was. Because uh-huh. we didn't have cable, but I used to love watching it. Yeah. I saw a bumper sticker that said, I'm following Jesus. Uh-huh. So I pulled in front of him and started waving to everybody. Um, <laughs> and I had no idea who it was. You know, they just whipped him out, comic after comic. And right, I was like, yeah. that guy was amazing. But then yeah. you never see him again. Yeah. That joke. Yeah. And then I worked with him at the DC Improv. Right. So much later. I was like, dude, did you... Please tell me you wrote that joke. And he was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, you, did you do this live in the Laugh Factory? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I remember that joke. I was so excited. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you're younger, the impression that jokes? Yeah. Like, I still remember a couple of moments from television where I'm like, that was the best thing ever. Yeah. Like Jay Leno was on the Merv Griffin show once. Really? Uh, when I was a kid. And, and it was, was good? After school. Yeah, he was funny. And uh, it was like after school, I was watching Merv Griffin. And, you know, they used to have this circle of chairs, like couchy type of chairs. Yeah. He used to do a semicircle, Merv did. And uh, Jay was the guest and he'd done his shtick and um, and uh, Merv goes, all right, we're going to take a break. And Jay goes, ah, well, what, what happens to the chair now? Are we going to go into the wall like it's a game show? <laughs> <laughs> Those old stuff, that's the f- hilarious the way they look too. Yeah. I, I used to, at the comedy store, one of my jobs was, marking all the old tapes they had yeah the high eight and the, and the vhs tapes they were just all unmarked yeah so i'd go through them and watch comedy all day long uh-huh. and i saw it was letterman and billy crystal but all real young on and, video yeah huh. all real young sitting around with that guy who took over after letterman once the old guy who was like more serious uh-huh. snyder yeah tom snyder yeah. yeah and they were all smoking cigarettes and it looked so oh, weird that was on tom snyder's show the old old one maybe tomorrow show okay all right or later when i can't remember which what it was uh, called but yeah he used to be on he'd sit there and smoke wow yeah it looks so dated and weird so wait so you do it in virginia and then how do you end up here i did it one time yeah and then i graduated college yeah. and i want to get a job i applied for a few jobs that would have been cool yeah the rest were all just administrative assistants yeah which i didn't want to do yeah um it seems so boring so i was like let me take a chance I was so worried about being 35 and having two kids and nothing and some shitbox wife. Oh, right. And right. that thought of like, what if I would have tried? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Try, well, what if I would have tried to creatively throw my life away? What, what if I would have tried to, uh-huh. to 
<laughs> to roll the dice on this ridiculous speculation, completely ego-based and self-involved. That's like there's no way that it would succeed. The yeah. odds of it succeeding are so monumentally against me, yeah. against any of us, yeah. that I was like, it's sort of ridiculous to say that I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I'll give it five years. Yeah. And then get my life started. Sure. And now you've given it 13. Are you ready to go back to the... <laughs> <laughs> Is this an intervention? I used to feel that way, but now I feel like, no, no, I'm doing great. I love this. I love waking up at noon. Yeah. I love just doing what I want. Yeah. Not being tied down to anybody or some job or some woman. Yeah. I just love all this. Yeah. You know, it's all sucky and pointless. Yeah. Like that part I'm horrified by all of life, but I'd rather be doing it this way. No, yeah. It's very comfortable and, you know, and we're afforded a certain freedom that we, that we garner from our ridiculous risk with our life and, yeah. you know and it is definitely great the only time like i get scared still get scared and there's no reason not to having lost everything twice it's just that, like you know I'm, I'm 49 years old okay so all right so let's say i do happen to live so let's even make it 65 yeah you'll live past 65 the drugs haven't hurt you, no, you no. that much all right so let's say i live t- past 85. 70 okay Wait, you know i still can't make money unless i'm something oh, yeah. unless my i'm talking uh-huh. like i have to be somewhere and using my mouth dude we're to irrelevant make, to yeah. a comedy club going audience in you already should be yeah but you've got a name which helps not really i know i i think that comedy is still relatively um it, the people going is the 22 to 35. No, but now we live in, a, an, in an era where you can sort of cultivate your own audience yeah. with a certain amount of, of if, you, if you're persistent. And you, you know, like because of the podcast, I have found people. And that a lot know of them, you. Yeah, and a yeah, lot of them are grown people. You, listen you, know, to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you stay relevant, I mean, you, generally what you're saying is true, that you, know, you make an impression on kids who are like 15 to 25, yeah. and you get a lot of them, and then you've got your three, three to five year run of you being their guy, yeah. and then they grow up. And, yeah, and they're you know, not going to go out and see it. Like Dane was a lot of these people's guys for a while, That's right. and then they switched to another comic at some point when their tastes grew up. But I think the audience is becoming a lot more diversified because I can't mm-hmm. tell you the number of people that you know I hear from. They're like, I never paid attention to comedians, right. and now I know all these new comedians, and I'm going to go see this guy because he was on your show. Yeah, you know, there is that. I love that when it's on my podcast when somebody's like, uh, somebody said I want to see Nick Thune at the Comedy Works only because yeah. I heard of him because of you, right? And I was like awesome yeah it's great I'm, I'm very happy to do that for people yeah they yeah i don't know how this thing's gonna really pan out i don't know either exactly. just talking. <laughs> I, think- <laughs> I have no clue i'm not trying to <laughs> it's just a nice conversation i don't know if it's great or not no this is what we do here all right so you how did you end up let's get to the store because that's something we can re- relate on because you entered the uh you bought the bill of goods. You were like, this is yeah, home. I went all in. Yeah, she's my mommy and I'm good here. And you did too. This is what we yeah. should talk about anyway. Yeah, you want to start now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have like a two minute teaser from all that. <laughs> yeah, she- um, I was surprised that, the, that the, the, the sort of system remains. Like, because by the time I got there in mm-hmm. 1987 or whenever the hell I auditioned for and became a doorman, I mean, the system was already, you know, the guys who were of the original- uh, group, you know, like Altman, Argus, Kennison, who was a little yeah. later, but like the original, original group it's outside of Altman, but they, they were kind of gone, like Letterman's oh, okay. generation. But when I was there, you know, Altman was still a main room comic, and Joey came in, and you Wait, know, now, was, that, was that sad to you that they were still a main room comic? 
No, because I didn't. I just because I did, I didn't know them. Like okay. I, you know, like it, it was sort of mind blowing to me. It's like how come I've never seen this guy? You know, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't. There wasn't a lot of sadness. I mean, Johnny Dark was still around. I mean, there were guys you know that were you know of that first or just barely second generation that were still working. You know, every okay. night, you know, Jan Hart, uh, you know, Damon Wayans was around. Dice was doing the okay. main room. And uh, um, who else was there? Yeah, I got tail end of a lot of those Fleischer, guys. Fleischer, who's still around and Altman's still around. But he kind of walks around. But like but uh, when he's back now, it's a different thing. But, you know, but if you're if you're sort of prone to it, there, you know, it's only a certain type of personality that gravitates to that place where you there's something about the comedy store where you walk in and you just see those pictures. You see those names on the wall. The place is a big, dark, weird place. Yeah. And you're like, I got to be part of this. Yeah, this I wanted is, to be in there. And I didn't know anything about any of it. I didn't you know, either. I, like, I, I just thought, like, I, I want to be a comedian. Where do I audition? Then you go up. I went into the OR, and Christopher Wheel was hosting. I don't know, yeah, yeah. He used to. He went on to direct things, but he had a piano that had a built-in, a, uh, not a piano, a banjo that had a built-in applause light. Like he could push a button, really? and it would say applause on his banjo. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But um, but you know, like I just didn't know. I knew you auditioned at the Improv, but that seemed difficult to me. I couldn't understand. They wanted me to do open mics, and that guy Howard was running things. I was like, fuck it. And then I went to the, the the comedy store, and I auditioned for her. Yeah. And and she was like, yeah, okay, you can be a doorman. And then I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do comedy. She's like, you can, you know, you got to audition course. for the belly room. And what does that mean? So I had to audition for another it doorman. Stages. Yeah, I had to audition for a different for a doorman. For a guy that was already in the belly room rotation to be on stage in the belly room. And I remember I walked up there to do this audition and there was no one in the room but Chris, who was hosting that night. And he goes, yeah, go on. For nobody. Yeah. So I, so I went on and he's like, yeah, okay. And so then we just did the non-paid regular thing. And non-paid we, regular. That we was... would drag people up to the belly room from the main room. Because you're allowed to perform there. Right. But we'd have to build the audience. Oh, so wow. we'd have to catch people leaving. Go, come on, we got more. There's some guys. Who See, when I was a non-paid regular, we just got to go at the end of the bringer shows. Or a couple people got worked in, and then the rest of us got to close it out. Right, and they started forcing them to like give leave us spots. There was no bringer shows when I was there. The main That's room good. was going, and the OR was going, and the belly room was specifically eighty seven. Okay, eighty six, eighty seven. The the belly room was specifically for non paid regulars. And, it wasn't and for the, girls anymore. Mm -mm. But it had been just for girls. Yeah, that was the original. Or was it in idea. their honor? That was before me, though. That I mean, that was okay. like you know, that was like you know, second state, second second wave. All right, but so, okay, so you go there. I went there looking for the Laugh Factory, and I on my way to the Laugh Factory, because that show on CBS or yeah. on, on Fox, whatever right. it was, on Saturday nights, yeah. I'd never heard of the Comedy Store. Yeah. Had you? No, I didn't know anything about yeah. anything. I didn't realize with an old generation, though, it's super famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, if you're 65, you know the Comedy Store now. Yeah. Did you read that book, I'm Dying Up Here? Uh-uh. Why the fuck not? I was afraid it was going to make me angry at the way things weren't. No, it's exactly it's it, it it really gives you context for the way things are. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's why I didn't see funny people either. I was like, they're gonna get it wrong. It's gonna make me so mad. No, who cares about that movie? I'm dying up there. Is about the comedy store. Okay, really? It's, it's yeah. It's about like what it's built on and why it's so fucking weird and why we get paid the amount we get paid. And it's the about strike the, and the whatever. Yeah, but it's about Lubitkin jumping off that fucking hotel. It's you know it all revolves around like that gen Richard Lewis and Letterman and those guys. It's you got to read it because then when you put that book down, you're like, I get it. It makes sense. You, you like it, it. It only deepens the history of the place. It did yeah. not shatter anything for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, but then the, I'll read the, it. the day the guy jumped off that fucking building then. was the day that got dark, though. Like that the whole place got dark. Yeah. 
no doubt. Dom said this, and I didn't, because he's been around for a long, long yeah. time, and without really leaving for a mm-hmm. long time like you did. He, he said that my group of guys, me, Renazisi, mm-hmm. just a bunch of those people, mm-hmm. he goes, it was it was extra dark before you guys got there. Oh, God. And then you guys seem to have a friendly group of friends. Well, so when I was, was there, like it was very dark because Kennison was in charge. And, and you know, at that time, it was just fucking nuts because the way it used to run was Monday night was no cover night. So all the rooms were free. And Kennison was, like, at the top of his game. So all these freaks would come. Like, it was just a fucking- What do you mean freaks? Like rock porn stars? stars okay. rock and roll people, all the people from the Roxy. Everyone, Ron Jeremy in his prime? Yeah. It was it was a little after his prime even yeah. then. But uh, but like and then like if I'm not, like right after that, that's when it got really black and there was like shooting and stuff. And then and then it sort oh, of yeah, re- that yeah. Was right before me. Come no, but your generation is a, it seems like a good crew and they all seem to yeah. be into. It. And I think even Taylor like for as, and- for as weird as as Tommy is, he really sort of wants to honor that place. And- yeah, he does. He wants to honor that tradition yeah. of like you're one of the guys that are from here. Yeah. Or whatever, but yeah, I drove looking for the Laugh Factory. Then saw I was like, oh, another comedy club. It was so close. I was yeah. coming from that way. Yeah, I was like, I'll apply for a job here. Yeah, and apply was, for a job. Yeah, you didn't audition. I applied to work the phones. Weird. I figured that's the way to get in. You worked jobs somewhere, and then everyone had to. Yeah, in order to do any of those jobs, you had to audition as a comic. When I started, well, yeah, when they when they um. <laughs> To be a doorman, you had to get past as that. Yeah, I could work the phones upstairs. Any of the downstairs shifts. Yeah. You had to, you had to be a, a comic. comic. Yeah. Well, I, I ended up working the phones too, and but you know, I yeah, I was a doorman, and then I drove the fucking truck. I drove the truck, the one with all the names on the outside. Yeah, half had, of whom you've never heard of. Yeah, these are the famous names. You got to drive people to the airport, and yeah, because oh. she had a room in the at the dunes. Oh, uh, uh, you know, in Vegas. So, like, you'd have to go down and meet the two headliners who are going out and drive them out to fucking Burbank or for whatever. like barely minimum wage. Maybe yeah, not I didn't even. Fucking, but I was staying in the house like she expected. You stayed in Crestdale? Yeah, that? I lived in Crestdale, and w- she <laughs> for cheap rent. I never. I don't remember paying her rent for no rent. <laughs> no, wow. you were supposed to. But like, you know, what are they going to put lean on your fucking check? You know, I, I guess <laughs> I paid her something. I, I don't fucking remember. I she go knew. Get, she didn't care. I, I. I don't know. She knew more than you thought she knew. She knew about that. She knew I asked her once. She on caught her. me. She caught some comedian lying. Yeah. And I was driving her home. She goes, he's lying. When she was still real, like, uh, there with it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, hey, you must have had a lot of, since you deal with comedians, you must have had a lot of people lying to you, huh? Yeah. She's looking out all the time. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you do? Do you get rid of them and stuff? She goes, no. Just make a mental note that they lie. <laughs> and then you just take everything from then on with, you double check it. <laughs> When I was there, she had like this fucking surrogate dick named Mike Becker. Oh yeah, Becker used to be like you know he was the he was the go between. You know he was in that office. Wormwood. Well, yeah, he was the guy right next to the phones in that office. Okay. And Mitzi was always like, you never knew if she was in that room or she wasn't in that room. Stained glass window. You can't tell. You know, and she was never there when I was there. Oh my god. It was a fun place. So yeah, I got a job. Larry Vazios and Duncan Trussell trained me on the phones. Yeah. And then eventually, oh, here's what it was. You didn't have to audition to beat to work there, but if she saw you mm-hmm. in the employee section and didn't like you, you're fired. Right. You got to go. Yeah. Um. So that was always the fear. When I was there, Ollie Joe Prater was still alive, and, and she used to put him up at a house that she owned, like in the Hyatt parking lot. There used to be a little uh-huh. house up there. They still have that. They still the have family that? family owns it. I, I forget who was living there, but it was Peter was living there for a while, one of the sons, uh-huh. and then the, one of the managers and was just living so, there. It was so horrible because Ollie Joe had to like hobble up that hill because he, <laughs> he, he had gout. He had always had gout. <laughs> and he was fucking like... 
I'm going to die of this fat. Yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to die walk walking this up this fucking hill. It is a heavy hill. Um, but that place is amazing. Girls sometimes hate it and they say it's misogynist. What, the comedy store? Yeah. But I disagree. I just say, I just say it's unwelcoming and women aren't used to that level of unwelcoming and men are more able to deal with that. The weird thing about the comedy store that I've noticed over time is that, you know, it's not it, it's not a nuance room. Like it seems to sort of uh, kind of nurture a, a very fucking upfront, you know, you can't, there's no sort of like, I'm just going to work on some shit, you know, like until you're mm. really comfortable there, I mean, you've got to fucking show up and deliver. You can't show any fear, mm-hmm. you know, you, the biggest struggle of working the OR and the main room for that matter is, you know, how do I get, you know, innately comfortable on these stages? Because if I'm not, they're going to smell it and I'm going to fucking yeah. eat it. If you sound contrived, they'll jump on you. Yeah, it's just like, they won't jump on you, they'll just let you hang. Yeah. Like, you know, like- Jump on you with silence. Yeah. I mean, but like profound silence. I mean, I have, like, there there have been nights in the fucking OR- It's dark in there. And even in the main room where you're like, what, is this mic not working? How how are 300 people, you know, how is this- those sweats. And you could be on the road for a month killing with this Uh shit. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you're in the main room, you're stumbling over shit because- Dude, when I went on the road with Rogan and had like packed shows, I would come back from like Cap City Comedy Club, yeah, sold just, out, like yeah. one of the better clubs in the country. It's a big room. Yeah. Yeah. And we packed on Sunday. I'd always yeah. try to come back and yeah. get back to reality yeah, of what LA open my comedy was like. Right. Go get, sh- eat shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. but you don't were th- ride a high too long. You, oh, you did it for that reason? You yeah. thought like, I got it now. Yeah. Right, because I'd feel like I'm a th- I'm, I'm a, a good comedian, and then you go tank. <laughs> right, <laughs> like no, and then when it got too bad, I would do the laugh factor open mic, and that was a, that was an ego boost. I never did the would open laugh mics. at anything. I never did the open mics here. Really? No, I you know when I got out here, you know I auditioned for her, and I just moved into the place. You know I was living in Culver City briefly, oh, and, wow. and she's like, oh, you can live in Crest Hill, and you would start in San Francisco. No, I think I started in uh you know officially started um in um in boston okay well really like no when i came out here i came out here right after college all right so i hadn't really done much i'd done a little comedy um in college like 10 times or less yeah well there's one summer you know where i committed to it and i just drank myself silly and i did you know i did a lot of open mics and and just busted my balls in boston and then when i graduated college i'm like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go be a comic you know i I focused on getting the degree and uh you know i did some comedy but never committed to it and i just drove out here i wrote a screenplay with this guy uh we tried to sell it we couldn't we had a falling out i auditioned at the store she goes you're funny you should wear a scarf and uh and then Becker said, "You want to be a you know you can be a doorman." I'm like, wow. "Okay, fuck yeah, okay, I'll, I want to be a doorman." I had no idea what that meant. So like, I I started doing the door, and then she goes, "Why don't you live up in you know let him live up in the house?" Guys, nowhere to live because I got kicked out of that apartment, and then I moved to another apartment, and then the girl, I don't know, like, it was so fucking sad, dude. Like I like I was living with my buddy, but then he wanted his other friend to move in, but there was another uh, some girl was looking for a roommate in the same building, so I moved in with her, and I was doing comedy at the comedy store, and like within two nights of living with her, I I got her all railed on coke. And we were drinking and we started making out and stuff and she had a boyfriend so within three days of living there the boyfriend came over with her other friends and threw me out and then i had no i know i had nowhere to live and then uh oh so you really started in la yeah kind of i guess so and then like um wow and then i then becker's like well, we'll live in the house so i lived in dice's old room in crest hill it was a fucking freak show and were I, there a lot of acts back then like people that have the i'm the this comic 
Like they Roseanne would, was like, oh, no, there was know. a lot of sticky guys. Like, you know, Joey came and had, had outfits and, you know, and Jan Hart had signs and, you know, there was, you know, there was people that did things and Daryl Savad had a puppet and, or maybe it wasn't him. I don't fucking know, but, but I just basically moved into the place. It seemed like she really did want to foster that artist community kind of vibe. Where she's like, I'm going to put you guys up. She must not. She must have known I'm not getting my mortgage paid by these Read people the renting. Book. The book. Okay. The whole problem was, yeah, maybe she wanted to do that, but she had a racket going because the club became huge in the 70s. Right. And she wasn't paying nobody. That's why there was a strike. She was making money hand over fist. She always said that she's like, that's why we let the commerce get paid. That's why we needed the strike so that it resulted in this and this. And I, I never called on her, but I was like, you were on the other side of the strike. You didn't want that to happen, but you gotta read the book. Okay, I'll read it then. That's a good enough thing that like I'll, I'll read it. You won't be able to put it down because, like, it, for me, like I, you know, I'm years away from that place, and it was just like this is this is my family. This is my history. Yeah, I'm reading about when, when, my history. Okay, when you did come back to the store, you found me and David because I guess you had known us from the other places, from the alternative rooms, and you were like, you could tell, like, you were like uncomfortable there. Yeah, like it was got, something to you. Oh yeah. So you're like, hey, I know you guys. Hey, what? Hey, hey, yeah, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. And we're like, why is Mark fucking Marin talking yeah, to us yeah. so nicely? Yeah. And like being cool with us. Yeah. I was haunted. Sucks not knowing. I was anybody haunted there. by the place. You were. Did Sam make you do like evil stuff? No, but it was like I, my brain was so blown out. You know, like you, you know, he was what he was, and yeah. that place when you don't sleep for three days and you're on a lot of coke and you're hanging out with that crew. Yeah. everything gets a little creepy you know like yeah. you know the place just took on a, a much bigger thing to me like you know this this you know like nostradamus shit like you know my brain was out there so i was haunted by that whole experience and his ethos sam's ethos yeah was very dark i mean that's what he yeah he he knew where the doorways were and he would like push buttons was he kind of like patrice like that it was no, no, no. He was much no. He never pushed buttons. He he made you feel like he loved you. Who Sam? Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was like a preacher. And he then would a, use. It was always for good. He just wanted to lead. He just wanted everyone to. I'm so intrigued by that guy. No, he was a bully at heart. Okay. Like you know, he wanted you. Like he would sit around and go, "I'm gonna take eight years off your career, Marin." I didn't realize that meant he was gonna kill me. But <laughs> 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 he, you know, he liked having an entourage, and that's where, like, right after the, the lessons I learned about that were, do not be part of an entourage. Right. You know, Mike Becker actually told me that because there were guys that had them. You know, Dice had it. Sam had it. Uh huh. Um, you know, there, you know, there are people that he called them, Becker called them satellite comics. Yeah. That there were satellite comics. That's uh, why I feel uh, a little shitty about myself sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I'm that with Rogan sometimes. Well, I think he's kind of like people who and, have the, have the, the charisma to, to carry people. Yeah. You know, it's something they like to do. And, and I think yeah, it's a like, lot of, they just trying to help their friends and it's like, yeah, awesome. This is great. But then it becomes like, are all my fans only your rundown fans? Yeah. And it's not quite that, but it's annoying to think it might be. Well, I mean, the, those are decisions you have to make. I, you know, my my problem with it was after the the problem with being part of that is that you can be expelled. Oh, is right, that, yeah, and, that's you know, bad. See, but, but that's what happens. So he had that power to expel people. Well, and of course. Hold it over you. Well, no, he wouldn't hold it over you. It's just one day you were out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you feel part of this momentum, and you know, like I'm yeah. one of the guys, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, fuck you, you fucked up, you did this, you're not, you're, you're, you're kicked out. out of the group, and then you're like, but I. 
I don't know how to, you know, and oh, it, yeah. it, it's like, it's heartbreaking because you're, we're all infants, you know, but, you know, you just want to be part of this thing. And, and the, you know, for some reason we gravitate towards this fucking haunted mansion of a club. And you were able think, to walk right up to them, but they were like, nope, beat it. Yeah. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you piss off the king. Yeah. <laughs> he was the king. Yeah. Cause I've been banned from the store before, but then it's like, I just can't, I can't even be there. I'm not allowed on the presence, so I'm not missing the people. But if I was there, but just not allowed to talk to three people or five people, yeah, that would be really hard. Well, no, it was just like it was quickie. You know, there was and and, mm-hmm. and and no one really wanted to be part of that. Becker used to call it the Manson family when I was up at Crest Hill because he convinced them all to be part of it. Well, no, there was just like you know, if you're into that shit, you know, you I mean, you're sitting there with the guy, you know, no one pushed it as far out as him. You know, like, you know, as a performer, you know, like the, yeah. the, the, like the thing about him was like when you watched him, you're like, this is menacing. Like there was, you know, it, there was an electricity to the wrong, the moral sort of um, fragmentation of what he was doing. His like, young comedian special. When, when, when it came on, I saw it at the Museum of Radio and Television, which I'm sure at the time seemed like a good idea to build. But that was before YouTube came and made yeah. the whole place irrelevant. <laughs> Um, <laughs> made a lot of things around yeah. the internet <laughs> um but it was like it was like saget and um that guy who dom put, i think maybe dom was on that one but but i remember bob nelson he put yeah, like bob nelson, balloons yeah. in his, yeah, in yeah. his shoulder the pads football, make, the football, make a football player yeah. and then kennison came and when he did it it was so raw and real so real that you're like oh it's clearly about to change now yeah. that's clearly a breaking point yeah in comedy yeah it was just it was uh, it was all very heartbreaking and it was all very fueled by drugs and once you know that fell apart for me like I had to go once you couldn't do drugs anymore no once that like you know like the whole Sam thing broke apart he was losing his mind and you know I saw him in a lot of very vulnerable and weird you know thing because I was living in that house yeah. and he would bring people up there to party and a lot of times he'd be the only one left and I'd have to sit there for hours while he would yell upstairs at Tamayo who he used to date and like he would cry and yeah you know, it just it was fucking it you was, thing with her yeah and then sometimes he'd sleep on the floor and be like oh can't you all right you know <laughs> and there's nothing you can be like no get out of here man you don't like live he, here one time he was supposed to play at the university of arizona where my yeah. brother went to school and yeah. my brother was like you're gonna set us up right and i'm like yeah you know and it was like a big gig and at this time he had a bodyguard to supposedly stop him from doing drugs but then the bodyguard ended up doing drugs so like for the one time that sam canceled the show it was the university of arizona like and he was too fucked up to go and he was passed out on my floor and i had to call my brother up like yeah you're probably gonna hear this before anyone else but sam's not gonna make it wow <laughs> I know he had weird things. My my acting teacher used to hang out with him, and he said when they brought their kid around, he would leave him in a room and tell the bounce like, "Hey, that kid doesn't come in this room yeah. where all the the coke was." Yeah, yeah. There we had to behave. You know, it was just it was about drugs and it was about. I definitely, you definitely got, and I imagine it's the same with Joe on some level. Is that you? You know, it was energizing yeah. to be around him. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's a charisma thing, and yeah. it's, you know, and they yeah, that's what it is. and they can somehow handle it. I mean, like I couldn't handle the pressure. I, don't I can't like people. Yeah, I couldn't lead me. anybody there. I, you know, I couldn't be. You know, come on, gather around. Yeah, it's just not my personality. But also, but I used to be a guy like, yeah, I want to gather around. But now I, I fight that. You know, so now I'm just sort of. Like, how you yeah. see Dice get sort of jealous about it when it's see like a few people are on Rogan and Dice would get sort of angry. Those yeah, because he had his guys. Own. Yeah. Well, he had his guys and they all ended up with nicknames, you know, like Jumpstart and Cheesecake and Wheels. Yeah, everyone's, <laughs> I used to say that to people, don't hang around Dice too long, you get a nickname. <laughs> Schubert was a, Schubert was a Dice guy. Yeah. And then he became a Kennison guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Schubert was a Dice guy. Yeah, he was definitely He was originally a Dice I think his name was Jumpstart. Jumpstart Jimmy Schubert. 
All right, it's look, hilarious. this is getting a little inside baseball. So you're doing good? Um, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm recording a special. It's going to be on, I guess, beginning of February. You can get that at JoeRogan.com? No, chill.com. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome. Thank you. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that Jew on Jew action. What else do I got to tell you? Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Kick in a few shekels. Get on the mailing list. Buy some merchandise. Leave a comment. Do the Lipson deal. Pre-order my book at Amazon or wherever you do it. Powell's, Barnes & Noble. Whatever you got you to do. You go, yeah. Ari Shafir's got his special up right now. It's called Passive Aggressive. It's at chill.com slash Ari. It's only five bucks. You can go to his website as well. Ari the Great. Dot com. Uh, Maria Bamford's uh, with the same company, Chill, did her special. They did Tom Rhodes' special. I, of course, will be in Boston uh, t- tomorrow. Uh, Chicopee, actually, tomorrow night, Friday, the 29th, Boston, doing a live WTF and a live stand-up show on Saturday, the 30th, and I will be in um, Indianapolis next weekend at Crackers Broad Whipple. Broad Whipple? Broad, Broad Whipple. Broad Ripple. Boomer lives! <laughs>